This hour, the podcast is exclusively sponsored by my good friends at Advantage Gold. Advantage Gold is a five-star rated gold company with one-of-a-kind customer service. And when it comes to gold and precious metals, Advantage Gold is the only company I'll work with. Call Advantage Gold today and make sure you let them know that Mark Levin sent you. And now, let's begin. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, it's not just Hunter Biden who's a crook. Joe Biden is the mob boss, obviously. He knows a hell of a lot more than he pretends not to know, even when he had his wits. The idea that there isn't a special counsel specifically appointed to investigate the financial dealings of Joe Biden and his family is a disgrace. There was a long report in Politico. Politico is very left wing, but every now and then it's knee jerks and it says, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're supposed to be a news operation. And so it did in this occasion. A piece by Ben Schreckinger. And we're going to take a little bit of time on this because I want to show you how the Biden family doesn't give a damn about anybody, even the sick, even people who need and use hospitals. But these stories can't be hit in five minutes and then not understand them. By the way, there are things going on at the U.N. I'm going to talk about in other matters as well. But first things first. In 2017, a hospital operator set out to build a rural healthcare empire with the help of a Philadelphia area consultant. That consultant, Joe Biden's little brother, Jim Biden, who had no experience whatsoever running hospitals, but he did understand the federal government and it ties to labor unions. Perhaps more important, he was the younger brother of Joe Biden. So let's stop there. Joe Biden uses labor unions too. His EV policies are going to destroy jobs, assembly line jobs, 
cars being built for gasoline. He pretends otherwise. And of course, his brother's involved. Everyone's going to get involved. Joe Biden, Jim Biden, Jim Biden's wife, Hunter Biden. The final years of the Obama administration had cemented the former vice president's towering stature in the world of health care. We had made the fight against cancer a top federal priority. So did Richard Nixon, by the way, but here we are. And then a centerpiece of his legacy-building efforts. <clears throat> For then 67-year-old Jim Biden, the third of four Biden siblings, his ties to his older brother made up much of his pitch as he pursued deals that could help AmeriCorps, that was the company, make money from drug rehab, lab testing, even cancer treatment. So you can see Hunter throws his dad's name around, and his dad knows it. Jim, little brother, throws his dad's name around, and Joe knows it too. This would be a perfect platform to expose my brother's team to your protocol, Jim Biden wrote to the CEO of a Tampa area company that controlled licensing rights to an experimental cancer treatment the hospital operated wanted to offer. Could provide a great opportunity for some real exposure. By his brother, is what he means. The email obtained by Politico from a person close to the company documents one of the many ways in which Jim Biden invoked his brother's name and clout in the course of his work with AmeriCorps, which has since gone bankrupt, wreaking havoc in rural communities in the process. So here's another Biden family member using his brother's name and clout, using labor unions, and he destroyed much of rural hospital care, or as Politico puts it, wreaking havoc in rural communities in the process. Jim Biden spoke of plans to give his brother equity in AmeriCorps, according to one former AmeriCorps executive, and install him on its board, according to a second. Can somebody tell me why Jim Biden hasn't been indicted? And how Joe Biden just keeps skating? Well, of course. If you understand Biden, look at Putin. He also said that if AmeriCorps could find a winning business model for rural health care, his brother, that would be Joe, could promote the company in a future presidential campaign, a third former executive told Politico. All were granted anonymity to discuss a company mired in legal and political controversy. In order to fund AmeriCorps' expansion, Jim Biden offered to secure capital from investors in the Middle East. You understand? One of the reasons Joe Biden is trying to destroy Israel. You got countries like Qatar, they're just throwing money everywhere. Why wouldn't they throw it at a Biden, by the way? According to the emails and executives, when the expected money didn't arrive, it aggravated AmeriCorps' pre-existing financial issues. The company collapsed, leaving behind unpaid bills and neglected patients. The management failures took a human toll as hospital staff went unpaid, services dwindled, and authorities were forced to intervene. Bidenomics. At AmeriCorps' hospital in southeastern Kentucky, ravaged by staff departures and dwindling medical supplies, a patient died of cardiac arrest in late 2018 after receiving substandard care. Four years after its bankruptcy, federal investigators are still pursuing questions about what else happened at AmeriCorps. This past September, the SEC accused one of Jim Biden's business partners of fraud, 
related to loans to the company. Allegations the business partners denied. I don't see any charges here, allegations against Jim. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice found that AmeriCorps Hospital in Pennsylvania entered into sham service agreements and paid kickbacks as part of a scheme that billed the government for medically unnecessary lab tests the hospital shipped out to be performed elsewhere. You know the Bynes have never made an honest buck, ever, ever. Hunter, Jim, the rest of them, they are leeches on the government. They've become wealthy, wealthy, using daddy. And of course, daddy doesn't know anything. And even if he were charged, he's too much of an imbecile to be held accountable. You, you know how it goes. Now, these actions are at the center of a federal prosecution of 100 million conspiracy fraud. Medicare that has noted a guilty plea from the recipient of the kickbacks. And according to a person familiar with the case, remains ongoing. Now, House Republicans pursuing an impeachment inquiry focused on the relationship between the president and his relatives' business dealings have also homed in on AmeriCorps. The House Oversight Committee is set to interview Jim Biden on February 21. By my calculation, that's tomorrow. As part of the inquiry. Have you heard any of this on any other media platform? Seriously. I'm not talking about talk radio. Anything outside of talk radio? As the layers of activity that occurred in and around America are peeled back in a federal prosecution in Pennsylvania, a bankruptcy court in Kentucky, intense witness interviews on Capitol Hill, a political investigation renders the most detailed picture to date of the ways in which Joe Biden's relatives leveraged his public stature to advance a private business venture. They were all in on it. The investigation based on public records, court filings, dozens of interviews, hundreds of exclusively obtained internal documents, reveals that Jim Biden, Joe's little brother, his role at AmeriCorps was larger than previously reported. In some internal documents and investor materials, his name is included among its top handful of leaders. He also helped the company seal regulatory approval to acquire the Pennsylvania hospital and personally fired AmeriCorps' chief financial officer, according to the emails obtained by Politico. So he had a very active hand of what was going on. The investigation also reveals that Joe Biden's name and inner circle were more involved with the company than has been understood. Joe Biden's name? Mr. Biden, his name? Oh, Joe Biden. No, no, just his name. In addition to the accounts provided by former executives, investor materials describe Jim Biden as an advisor to his older brother. Ooh. And on top of Joe Biden's own previously reported encounter with the firm's CEO, wow, at least three of Joe Biden's relatives did work with AmeriCorps. They include Jim Biden's wife, Sarah, his son, Jamie, the president's son, Hunter Biden. There you go. Also met with its CEO and his personal doctor, current White House physician, Kevin O'Connor. Joined a meeting with Jim Biden and the president of a hospital being acquired by AmeriCorps, according to a former exec and emails obtained by Politico. So again, we stop. So the doctor at the White House. Joe Biden's current physician, Kevin O'Connor. He was involved in a meeting involving AmeriCorps. Joe Biden's brother, Joe Biden's son, Joe Biden's sister-in-law, but Joe Biden doesn't know a damn thing. You believe that, America? It's like uh, Fanny Wills using cash. We all use cash. That's what black people do. Did you know that? Most black people don't know that. 
While the extent to which Joe Biden's relatives have invoked their ties to him to advance their business careers has been a subject of ongoing controversy, that documents obtained by Politico demonstrate that Joe Biden was a central element of Jim Biden's pitch to potential, uh, pitch to potential partners and investors during this period. None of these Biden family members would answer specific questions related to AmeriCorps. The White House didn't respond to detailed questions for comment. He's only the president. Jim Biden has not been accused of criminal wrongdoing. As attorney Paul Fishman said in a statement, he conducted himself ethically and honorably in all his business dealings. Well, if he did, he's the first Biden to ever do so. A spokesman for Jim Biden declined to answer detailed follow-up questions, writing, we are not able to participate in this story at this time. Why? Now, Politico's investigation, of course, did not find that Joe Biden involved himself in the firm or took actions on its behalf. Why did you subpoena records? No. None of that's been done. However, Joe Biden did benefit indirectly from his brother's work with the firm. Listen to this one. On the same day, Jim Biden received a $200,000 payment from AmeriCorps. He made a checkout for his brother, Joe. The same day, he made a check to brother Joe. So what does the White House say about this? The White House has said the check was for repayment of a loan, but did not respond to questions about the circumstances of the loan, including whether Joe Biden was aware of his brother's income from AmeriCorps. Got that? Otherwise, Joe Biden remained on the sidelines as his name and relatives became intertwined with a company that was pitched as a vehicle for his legacy, but stands accused of defrauding taxpayers instead. That is, his brother does. Let me ask you a question. If we have a president or a vice president with all this stuff swirling around him, and he claims he doesn't know about it, is that believable to you? Everybody has their hand in the till. His brother, his son, his sister-in-law, this one, that, and Joe knows nothing. Now we know that's a lie. Just like they're running around telling us Joe is completely mentally fit to be a rocket scientist and a brain surgeon. In fact, he can do his own brain surgery, just like he can do his own proctological exam. Otherwise, Joe Biden remained on the sidelines. Quote, I was, t- I was uh, told, there's a misspelling, I was told that AmeriCorps was going to be the salvation of rural hospitals, said one of the former executives. The whole thing was a scam and didn't take that long to figure it out. Scam? Wait, wait, Jim Biden's involved in a scam? Hunter Biden was involved in a scam with Burisma? Scams. The Biden family, again, doesn't know how to earn an earnest buck. And it goes on at some length. Mississippi, what took place there, the Biden brand, how important that was, and all of the uh, misdeeds and and the uh, sleazy doings and so forth. Uh, It's really quite disgusting, and it's quite lengthy, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can. Uh, We will have it posted on marklevinshow.com, the mothership of websites, where we put all the articles we reference. I'll be right back. Mark Levin.
Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. Call them, and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. Listen to this. In private, Jim Biden was less shy about talking about his brother, especially when it came to invoking his name. Several former AmeriCorps executives said Joe Biden was central to Jim Biden's ambitions for the company. One said that Jim Biden explained to him, quote, his brother was very interested in rural health care, very interested in veterans health care. And it was something he really wanted to get behind, quote, unquote. In fact, Jim Biden told the executive of AmeriCorps successfully demonstrated a model for revitalizing rural health care. Joe Biden could run. He could run on the issue in 2020. This would help his brother get elected if he were to take off and go. The former executive explained. Another former executive said that Jim Biden spoke of plans which did not come to pass to give Joe Biden equity in AmeriCorps. The plans were part of broader discussions about Jim Biden taking an equity stake of his of his own in the company, the person said. And a third executive said that White and Jim Biden spoke of plans to put Joe Biden on AmeriCorps' board. But don't worry, Joe wasn't involved directly. He's a good mob boss. No way he'll have his fingerprints on this stuff. We've got Fannie Willis, Fannie Willis, whatever, using cash all the time. To buy wine, to take trips, to pay for restaurants, to pay for hotel bills. And she says, this is what black people do. She's a liar. It's not what black people do. That's number one. Now we have the Biden crime family here. There is no ongoing criminal investigation of the Biden crime family. The Hunter Biden criminal investigation has nothing to do with this. Uh, There is a criminal investigation in Pennsylvania, but a broad-based special counsel criminal investigation of Biden and his family is not taking place, regardless of how much information is being provided. Oh, but he wasn't involved. Nobody has any idea the extent to which Joe was involved, because there's no subpoena power that's been used by a special counsel. That's simple. 
Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Call them, and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial tax professional. Don't ask him for middle ground. There is no middle ground. Talk with Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. Let me tell you, folks, Joe Biden is frightened beyond belief of a Trump victory. And the main reason, the primary reason is the unleashing of a criminal investigation against Joe Biden and his family, which should have been done under the special counsel regulation. Should have been done a long time ago. There is an appearance of a conflict of interest, if not an outright conflict of interest, people using his name. And that's good enough. But no criminal investigation, none. We saw what happened with the uh, eavesdropping activities, the classified materials, the Espionage Act. The guy violated the Espionage Act for half a century, scores and scores of times, even bragged about it with his ghostwriter. And now they're angry at the special counsel because the special counsel actually got him off the hook by saying he's a mental midget, even though that's not a good excuse. Now, I mentioned to you about Politico, and I want to show you how this works. So there was a burp of integrity in terms of reporting, and then we get back to the usual equivalent of diarrhea journalism by Alexander Ward and Heidi Presbyter, if that's her name, a lot of consonants there. Politico. And this is from today. They're going in after a gentleman whose name is Russ Vaught. He's a very, very good guy. I don't always agree with him on national security, but so what? He's a very sharp guy. He headed OMB under Trump. He is a deficit in spending Reduction hawk. And that's good enough for me. He's also a man who practices his faith. It's called Christianity. You may have heard of it. And I've been warning up and down the months and the years and really the decades. This war against the Jews is the war against the Christians. It's a war against the West. That's what it is. And you have your Marxist secularists and you have your Islamist Nazi terrorists. 
who are trying to frame the issues. Now, they point out an influential think tank close to Trump is developing plans to infuse Christian nationalist ideas in his administration should the former president return to power, according to documents obtained by Politico. Spearheading the effort is Russell Vaught. So we're now supposed to hate Russell Vaught as some kind of white supremacist Christian. You you see how that works? Who served as Trump's director of OMB during his first term and has remained close to him. Vaught is frequently cited as a potential chief of staff in a second Trump White House. Is president of the Center for Renewing America think tank, a leading group in conservative consortium preparing for a second Trump term. So... Remember when the Heritage Foundation prepared for a Reagan victory in 1980. Very important to prepare for these things. You know, the Democrats, we've talked about this. There's a big story out there how they're preparing to try and destroy Donald Trump and his presidency. Even if he wins, they want to destroy him again. That's their goal. Go after him the same way they did before. They got lawyers lined up, think tanks lined up, journalists lined up. One document drafted by CRA staff and fellows includes a list of top priorities in a second Trump turn. Quote, Christian nationalism, unquote, is one of the bullet points. Others include invoking the Insurrection Act on day one to quash protests and refusing to spend authorized congressional funds and unwanted projects, a practice banned by lawmakers in the Nixon era. Let's slow down. It's called impounding funds. The constitutional issue is Congress can pass a bill to spend money. But does a president have to, in every instance, spend it? Now, they use that impoundment of funds as one of the threatened or actual articles of impeachment they'd drawn up against Nixon that they were hoping to vote on. So it's never been tested. So it's amazing. We have, we have Joe Biden, who refuses to spend funds to secure the border, refuses to spend fund to allow the, the Border Patrol to do its job, refuses to spend funds approved for a wall, but that's not an impoundment issue. That's not a problem at all. As for this Christian nationalism issue, they're trying to make you think that this is like Klansmen or something of that sort. I don't understand. I can say... Islam to him blue in the face. Uh, I could say other faiths to him blue in the face about the influence they should have in government and so forth. And when we talk about Christianity, suddenly that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a cuss word. And the thing is, they try these scare tactics, but we had four years of Donald Trump. We had four years of Donald Trump. The Insurrection Act in my lifetime, maybe before, but certainly what, what I can recall was, was triggered once by George H.W. Bush in the riots in, Lo- in uh, Los Angeles. Some of you may remember. He sent the National Guard out there to put it down. The Insurrection Act exists for a reason. And so you have to meet all the the criteria for it. But so what? It's there and it needs to be used from time to time to protect our cities. You're not allowed to even think about that. No. CRA's work fits into a broader effort by conservative MAGA-leaning organizations 
to influence a future Trump White House. Two people familiar with the plans who were granted anonymity to discuss internal matters said that Vaught hopes his proximity and greater contact with the former president, he and Trump speak at least once a month, according to one of the people, will elevate Christian nationalism as a focal point in a second Trump term. Let me say this. If you understand the American founding, America was founded almost 99.9% by Christians. Embracing the Judeo-Christian morality. Boy, that was horrendous, wasn't it? But Mark, we had slavery. It was also Christians who led the way against slavery. Well, what about civil rights? It was Christians who came out of the churches in the South, particularly black churches, that led the battle against segregation. Not the federal government. The documents obtained by Politico do not outline specific Christian nationalist policies. So there you go. This is an entire ruse. An entire ruse. But Vaught has promoted a restrictionist immigration agenda. I was accused of that like 20 years ago. You're a restrictionist. Yeah, I kind of am. You know, I believe in following the law. So they come up with these, these nomenclatures and they tag you, you see. So, so far, he's a Christian nationalist and a restrictionist. No, he's a practicing Christian who recognizes American history. And he's not a restrictionist. He is a man who believes in following the law when it comes to immigration. Notice they don't call Biden a slaver because of all the sex slavery that's taking place on the southern border. But Vaught is a restrictionist, you know. Saying a person's background doesn't define who can enter the U.S., but rather citing biblical teachings, whether the person accepted Israel's God, laws, and understanding of history. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means you have to accept the American culture, accept the American system, if you want to come to America. No more Talibs and Omars, or for that matter, Bernie Sanders types and so forth. Doesn't mean you walk a, you know, a boot, heel-clicking line the way the Democrats do. What it means is you have to want to be an American. It's amazing about this kind of writing. They have no understanding of the history of this country. You know what I'm going to do after the break? I'm going to pull out Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address. I'm going to read it to you. It's very short. And I'm going to ask you, was he a Christian nationalist? Was he? His constant references? Religious references? Christian references? Vaught has a close affiliation with Christian nationalist William Wolfe, a former Trump administration official, who's advocated for overturning same-sex marriage, ending abortion, reducing access to contraceptives. That's okay. Obama had a relationship with a domestic terrorist bomber who advocated destroying the United States, blowing up the Capitol building, blowing up the Pentagon, blowing up the White House. They didn't stop Politico and the other left-wing goons in the media from supporting Obama. Just, just making a point, that's all. Vaught, who declined to comment, of course he did. This is a setup job. 
is advising Project 2025, a governing agenda that would usher in one of the most conservative executive branches in modern times. Thank God. The effort is made up of constellation of conservative groups run by Trump allies who've constructed a detailed plan to dismantle overall key agencies in a second term. You know, that's what elections are about. The Democrats create this massive bureaucracy, one building after another, fill it with with acolytes and so forth and so on. So conservatives are going to come in and say, no, we're going to reverse that. Oh, my God. Among other principles, the project's mandate for leadership, which was exactly the title of the Heritage Foundation manuscript for Reagan, states that freedom is defined by God, not man. Isn't that true? These are Marxists. These are secularists. And the idea that people believe in God, they embrace their faith, they live moral and good lives, and they have opinions is bad. It's bad. I am thrilled to hear that this is going on. That is, that they're planning, that they're preparing, and it's obvious that the left is very, very worried about it. In a December speech in Iowa, let's see. Oh, it says Trump is not a devout man of faith, but Christian nationalists have been among. So if Christian nationalists, we're mega Christian nationalists. And Hitler at the head of it. You get the drift? They're trying to portray the Third Reich for you. The Nazis weren't Christian nationalists. They were German nationalists. Germany came first. But that aside, this is what they're trying to paint for you. And all they've really said so far is that these guys want to come in, tame the size of government, change the direction of the country, cut the size of government, the direction of government. That's all they've basically said. And by the way, they believe in God and they're Christian. Oh, my God. You will never see an article written like this about Muslims. About the mayor of Debornistan. Never. Now, I want to make something clear. I know a lot of Muslims. I mean, not a ton, but enough, who are absolutely great patriots, who have fought for this country. Not talking about those people. Those are great Americans. And by the way, those Muslims tend to vote Republican. No, I'm talking about the river to the sea, Hamas-supporting, care-supporting Islamists who are involved in slaughtering Muslims. Anyway, so this is, the, this is a, a horrific smear job on Russ Fought. I don't believe I've ever met him. I don't believe I've ever talked to him. And I don't believe it matters. So what? So Christianity is under attack. Conservatism is under attack. The Constitution's under attack. America's founders are under attack. America's framers are under attack. But, of course, the left, well, they get to decide where the country's going. That's it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Fox 
Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Call them and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. After the top of the hour, I'm going to read to you what is the second shortest inaugural address in American history. First, shortest was George Washington. His speech was delivered by hand. But the second shortest was the second inaugural address by Abraham Lincoln. And it is laced with references to God and faith. And I wonder what Politico would say about it today. A Christian nationalist? And I want to speak up for Christianity as a Jew. This is the most tolerant society on the face of the earth. Because of Judeo-Christian beliefs and values. Not secularism like Marxism. Not Islamism. Judeo-Christian beliefs. Which, by the way, embraces the right of people to practice whatever religion they may or none at all. Period. You want to be an atheist? Be an atheist. You want to be a deist? Be a deist. You want to be agnostic? Agnostic. You want to be Muslim, Jew, Buddhist, Hindu? Be be whatever you want to be. And this nation was founded mostly by Christian men. And I thank God every day. There's few other places on the face of the earth where Jewish people or other minorities are able to live in freedom, practice their faith. And that's not true in other parts of the world where you have Muslim nationalists. Or what else? Other types of religious nationalists. And so the attack on Russell Vault is an attack that's much broader. It under it under it attacks, it undermines the whole notion when you fight this of a white supremacist society. Because again, when you talk about Christianity, it's Christianity that led to the end of slavery and the abolition movement. It's Christianity that led to the end of segregation from the churches in the South. And that's the truth. 
against state and federal evils of the government. I shall return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I want to finish my point from the first hour. I never forget where I am or where we were. This issue of Christianity and faith. Christian nationalism. Like somehow... There's going to be a war on other faiths. Well, there, there is a war on other faiths. It's coming out of our colleges and universities and the left. It's coming out of our media. I want you to listen to this. I actually pulled my father's book, Malice Toward None, Second Inauguration Address, Abraham Lincoln. He said, at this second appearing to take the oath of presidential office, as, by the way, the Civil War wasn't over, but it was ending. It was mostly over. There's less occasion for an extended address than there was at the first. In your hands, my dissatisfied fellow countrymen, and in not mine, is the monstrous issue of civil war. The government will not assail you. You can have no conflict without being yourselves the aggressors. You have no oath registered in heaven to destroy the government, while I shall have the most solemn one to preserve, protect, and defend it. Now at the expiration of four years, during which public declarations have been constantly called forth in every point and phase of the great contest, which still absorbs the attention and engrosses the energies of the nation, Little that is new could be presented. The progress of our arms upon which all else chiefly depends is as well known to the public as to myself. And it is, I trust, reasonably satisfactory and encouraging to all. With high hope for the future, no predictions in regard to it is ventured. On the occasion corresponding to this four years ago, all thoughts were anxiously directed to an impending civil war. All dreaded it. All sought to avert it. Now, by the way, while the inaugural address was being delivered from the place devoted altogether, or he said, while the inaugural address was being delivered from this place, devoted together to the saving of the Union without war, insurgent agents were in the city seeking to destroy it without War seeking to dissolve the Union and divide effects by negotiations. Both parties deprecated war, but one of them would make war rather than let the nation survive. The other would accept war rather than let it perish. 
So war was. One-eighth of the whole population were colored slaves, not distributed generally over the Union, but localized in the southern part of it. These slaves constituted a peculiar and powerful interest. All knew that this interest was somehow the cause of the war. To strengthen, perpetuate, and extend this interest was the object for which the insurgents would rend the Union even by war. While the government claimed no right to do more than to restrict the territorial enlargement of it. Neither party expected for the war the magnitude or the duration which it had already attained. Neither anticipated the cause of the conflict might cease with or even before the conflict itself should cease. In other words, no ceasefire. That's why I've said if Joe Biden were president back then, we'd have two separate countries and slavery would still be in existence. Ceasefire, two-state solution. Each looked for an easier triumph and a result less fundamental and astounding. Both read in the same Bible, pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. It may seem strange that any men should dare to ask a just God's assistance in wringing their bread from the sweat of the other men's faces, but let us judge not that we not be judged. He's saying, how can you be a person of faith and have slaves? The prayers of both could not be, be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. Uh-oh, Mr. Producer, he's talking like a man of faith. Woe unto the wood, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Out of the Bible. If we shall suppose that American slavery is one of those offenses which in the providence of God, now he mentions God three times now, must needs come, but which having continued through his appointed time, he now wills to remove, that is, God wills them to remove slavery. I wonder what Politico would say about that. And that gives to both the North and the South this terrible war, as the woe due to those by whom the offense came. Shall we discern therein any departure from those divine attributes which he believers, with which the believers in a living God always ascribe to him? That's God four times and divine. That makes it five. Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that the mighty scourge of war may speedily pass. You can see faith, his faith throughout this entire speech. And I apologize for my reading. I can read better privately, but again, I'm having a little difficulty with my left eye. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness, in the right as God, there it goes again, he gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battles, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. My comrades of the Confederate Army, my friends and veterans of the Federal Army. I am filled with emotion as I look upon survivors of the armies of the Civil War. 
these constant references. These constant references to faith. I'm going through one other section here. Just bear with me. And that was the speech. The extent of it. I wonder what Politico thinks of that speech. Extremely short. Multiple references to God and the divine. Really references, quotes from the Bible. That was much of the book, excuse me, much of the inaugural address, the second inaugural address. And so the secular Marxist Islamist media has a problem with Russell Voigt. Trying to turn him into a monster. Because that's what they do. They don't want to engage. They don't want to debate. They do a complete setup and smear job. And then they say, would you like to participate? Of course not. You're Politico. Every now and then knows you're full of prebubescent a-holes. I don't know Russell Voigt. I said that before. I don't believe I've met him, maybe in passing. I don't believe I've ever talked to him. I know we don't agree on everything, particularly when it comes to foreign policy. But I also know he's a good man. He's a man of faith. So he must be destroyed. As all people of faith must be destroyed. They speak of the, the Jews in Brooklyn. Who have taluses and wear coats. Wear hats. Very recognizable. Have beards. As extremists. When you have individuals like that in the Israeli government, Thomas Friedman, Joe Biden, and their ilk refer to them as religious extremists because they're Orthodox Jews. Religious extremists. If you are a born-again Christian, or if you're just a faithful Christian, you're an extremist. You talk about a Christian nation. You're worse than an extremist. You're Hitler-like. The other side talks about a Palestinian state till they're blue in the face. Now, they'd never live there. They'd never vacation there. They never want their kids to go to school there. They want nothing to do with it. In fact, the Arabs want nothing to do with it. And yet they promote a Palestinian state, but a Christian nation where Christianity is not imposed on anybody ever. In fact, it's been brushed out of our schools, brushed off our public properties, brushed out of our minds, they hope, even when Christmas is here. That's the threat, you see. Christianity, the Jews and the Christians. So say the Marxist, secularist, Islamist media and their ilk. Russ Voigt, I want you to remember that name. Because should Donald Trump become president, I think many good things will come with the assistance of Russ Voigt. Liberty, not tyranny. 
respect for religious faith, not attempts to destroy it. Efforts to get control out of this out-of-control government, which is so out-of-control, such a massive police state now. I think we'll see many good things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. As we plow through, as only we can here, you and I, let's continue. It's getting worse and worse, this civil decision in New York is the greatest confiscation of wealth of a single man in American history. It's the greatest confiscation of private property of a single man in American history. It is a fascistic effort through a phony judge, phony prosecutor, to steal a man's wealth to give it to a Democrat-controlled city and to take his name off all the buildings that he built, having helped build up New York City. And this is the Democrat Party. Doesn't believe in individual freedom. Look what's going on on the southern border. Still practices slavery through its immigration policies. That's the consequence. That's the consequence. I have a dear friend, his name is Arthur Ferguson. Arthur Ferguson and I worked together in the Reagan administration. He's one of the most brilliant lawyers I know. He went to Yale Law School. He graduated at the top of his class. Even though they didn't keep numbers, he did. And he was a clerk for Chief Justice Warren Burger when Warren Burger was the Chief Justice. And um, at one point he was a special assistant, U.S. attorney, assisting in drug prosecutions. And now he's settled down in the private practice. But I'm going to read something to you that he wrote, because this is different than the other legal analysts. His focus is on a part of the Constitution nobody's talking about. He says, this past week, Justice Arthur Ergeron of New York State Supreme Court, the lowest level of courts of general jurisdiction levied a mammoth fine of some $370 million, including interest against Donald Trump for purported fraud under a New York statute. The term fraud is used loosely since no one was defrauded, an element of a cause of action under common law fraud, and no one was harmed. Also another element, 
There is no proof of reliance, a third element, none of which existed. This is fraud in the air, as they say. No harm by one against, no one for no loss by anyone. No one testified that they lost a penny from the purported fraud or that they would not have wanted to deal with Mr. Trump as a customer. No one came forward to complain except the Attorney General Letitia James. More about that in a moment. Previously, this same judge ordered dissolution of Mr. Trump's businesses in the state under the supervision of a receiver. That order was stayed by the appellate court pending appeal. Following the order of dissolution, the AP reviewed nearly 150 reported cases under the statute used to punish Mr. Trump and stated that nearly every previous time a company was taken away, victims and losses were key factors. Customers had lost money or brought defective products or never received service, having left them cheated and angry. Angry, although not a word to describe a single customer, is Mr. Trump, and he has every right to be. But it is also a word, along with outraged, that applies to a range of commentators, not all allied with the former president. Professor Jonathan Turley called the $370 million judgment confiscatory, extreme, and abusive. Professor Stephen Calabrese, a buddy of mine who also worked under Attorney General Meese, termed it a travesty and an unjust political act. The subhead for his online commentary employed the term Stalinist. Both law professors are right. Because, but stick with me. Because the judgment does not relate to any loss. The $370 million is not properly understood volative of the prohibition against grossly excessive punitive damages. However, it does fall directly within the excessive fines clause of the Eighth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Stick with me. In an opinion especially illuminating... To understand the wrongdoing by the Attorney General and Judge Engeron, the U.S. Supreme Court held in Timms versus Indiana in 2019 that the excessive fines clause is an incorporated protection applicable to the states, all of them, even New York, under the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The Supreme Court stated that the clause traces its venerable lineage back to at least 1215 and the Magna Carta. Despite Magna Carta, imposition of excessive fines persisted. The 17th century Stuart kings in particular were criticized for using large fines to raise revenue, harass their political foes, and indefinitely detain those unable to pay. These remain concerns. As the Supreme Court stated in its case, for good reason, the protection against excessive fines has been a constant shield Throughout Anglo-American history, exorbitant tolls undermine other constitutional liberties. Excessive fines can be used, for example, to retaliate or chill the speech of political enemies. And excessive fines are a cheap source of revenue in the case of Mr. Trump, being a lot of revenue, especially for a state that has been bleeding population and high income taxpayers. The virtue of an Eighth Amendment challenge is that it places the political prejudices of the attorney general and the supine judge relevant front and center what does that mean i'm going to explain it to you when we turn we have a hard break stick with me i'll be right back pure talk believes in american values and that free should mean exactly that free switch to pure talk today and get a free samsung 5g smartphone 
no four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Mark Levin, America's think tank. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. The Eighth Amendment, the case of stealing Donald Trump's property by the state. Grossly excessive punitive damages. It falls squarely within the Eighth Amendment, the excessive fines clause of the Eighth, of the Eighth Amendment. Excessive fines. And as I said, in an opinion especially illuminating, as Arthur Ferguson writes, to understand the wrongdoing by the Attorney General and this judge, the court held just four years ago <clears throat> that excessive fines clause is an incorporated protection applicable to the states. All of them. Under the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So the 8th Amendment is violated, but it applies to the states basically under the Equal Protection Clause. And the court said, it traces it Lineage back to at least 1215, the Magna Carta, where kings were using excessive fines to steal people's property, to punish them, to imprison them, to destroy anybody who would, who would stand up against them. And of course, it's, it is a, uh, a windfall for New York to steal almost half a billion dollars from one of its citizens. And so Arthur points out the virtue of an Eighth Amendment challenge, which is what we're talking about, is that it places the political prejudices of Letitia James and Ergeron front and center. James may getting Trump a centerpiece of her campaign for the post she now holds. All of her statements attacking Trump are now fodder for the inevitable appeal and attendant stay. Erdogan, the judge, New York's version of the infamous Judge Ito, has brought the New York courts into disrepute. And the only way to restore even a modicum of confidence that New York will de not destroy those with whom it disagrees is for the appellate tribunals to take immediate action to vacate the judgment in its entirety as bringing into disrepute the state's court. And finally, he says, this is not the only case that New York prosecutors have levied against Mr. Trump. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has indicted Mr. Trump for what is almost universally condemned as a legally meritless alleged crime. And while it's beyond the brief of this column, he says, to discuss it in more detail, because he's limited by words, it does seem that cooperation by Bragg and James relating to... What he's saying here is under the... of, of uh, 42 section 18... excuse me, 1983 and 1985 for the violation of constitutional rights under the, again, the 14th Amendment. You can 
bring civil rights litigation against public officials, including a judge and an attorney general, if they are commiserating, excuse me, including Bragg and the attorney general, if they are commiserating, that is conspiring, colluding, to use the law, to use the courts, to target, say, Donald Trump. But you need evidence of the collusion, which we don't have right now. I forwarded this article to our buddy Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And I said, please read the article. And you guys have subpoena power. Nobody else does. To find out from Letitia James and Bragg the extent of their communication and their collusion. And in so doing... A determination could be made if there's a 1983 and 1985 violation of the Constitution under the 14th Amendment. But Jim Jordan and his people are going to have to do this because nobody else has the authority to issue such a subpoena. So that would be the second federal attack against what's taken place, okay? The 8th Amendment through the 14th Amendment and the 14th Amendment itself, if you can show a violation of federal statute 1983 and 1985. I'm sure I've confused the hell out of you, but that's not my intent. Then there was another great piece on this. I like to highlight the smart people. By Professor Stephen Calabrese, who I told you is also a friend of mine. And you have all these smart friends, Mark, because I worked with them. That's how I have all these smart friends. We did a lot together. And he says, Trump has been ordered to pay, you know, the amount of money. has been barred from doing business in New York State for three years. And this judge ordered Trump to pay essentially all of his cash reserves of $400 million, which fine, if upheld, would force Trump to sell some of his, re- his real estate holdings to raise cash to live on. Once interest is added on the total fine, it will rise to $450 million. This is all on top of the $83.3 million fine Trump must pay for allegedly defaming writer E. Jean Carroll. The fines in total could deprive Trump of between 11% to 13% of his wealth. Trump's adult sons, Donald Jr. and Eric, have also been fined. They're banned from doing business in New York State for two years. Ivanka or Melania Trump could legally run the Trump businesses for the next two years, but Judge Erdogan appointed retired U.S. District Judge Barbara Jones to continue in her role as a so-called independent monitor of the Trump business empire, but expanded her authority to review financial disclosures before they are submitted to third parties. Wow, they basically have taken over the companies. The state now runs the Trump Corporation. Judge Jones can hire an independent director of compliance, and she has the authority to compel Trump to sell some or even all of his businesses down the road. What's this sound like to you, America? Doesn't sound like America, does it? And he's committed no offense. This is all punishment for Trump allegedly committing fraud by falsely inflating and deflating the value of his real estate assets to pay lower state taxes and to receive more favorable loans from banks. The New York state laws used to go after Trump have never, ever been used in this way historically. And while Trump 
may owe some back state taxes if Judge Erdogan is right, and he may not be. Not a single bank claimed that it had been defrauded by Trump and the loans it had made to him. This is truly a victimless crime. Bankers took the stand, as a matter of fact, in Trump's civil trial, testifying. They would have gladly made loans to Donald Trump, given his extraordinary success as a businessman. This is why they hate Trump. This is why they wanted his taxes. They wanted access to his business records, just to tear them apart, pick them to pieces, cherry pick, and come up with these flim-flam laws. Listen, what, 91 charges, all flim-flam crap. Must also be noted that the banks that made loans to Trump did not take his assessment of the net worth of his assets at face value, but made their own independent assessments of the value of Trump's properties. I mean, think about this. This is apparently standard practice in the New York State real estate market, where borrowers often overstate the value of their assets, and so you have banks and others who review them. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not about overstating. It's about disagreement. It's not a science. Assessment is not a science. As you well know, if you own a house, you get a notice that we've reevaluated and assessed your property and you owe this much more, but you have a right to challenge it. The bottom line is that a never-before-used New York State penalty has been twisted into a tool for a grossly excessive, a grossly excessive fine more seriously, the completely inappropriate appointment of Judge Jones as a so-called independent monitor who can micromanage the Trump business, which she is not competent to do, to even order the dissolution of the Trump business in New York State. This outcome was pursued by Letitia James, a politically ambitious Democrat, who's the attorney general and who hopes to win a future Democratic primary for governor or even senator. James and Egeron have essentially turned a vaguely worded New York State law into a modern-day bill of attainder, targeted at Donald Trump both for political gain and because they despise his political views and desperately want to call his truthfulness into question as he runs for president of the United States. In doing this, they have violated Trump's First Amendment right to freedom of speech in the press, his Fifth Amendment right not to be deprived of liberty or property without due process of law, his Fifth Amendment right not to have property taken away from him except for a public use with just compensation being paid. His Eighth Amendment, which Arthur Ferguson focused on, not to be made to pay an excessive fine. His Article 5, Section 2 right as a citizen of Florida to make and enforce contracts in New York on the same terms as our other New Yorkers. And his Fourteenth Amendment right to be free to pursue an occupation without unnecessary and burdensome regulation. The civil fraud judgment against Trump is a travesty and an unjust political act rivaled only in American politics by the killing of former Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton by Vice President Aaron Burr. If the New York State appellate courts do not reverse this judgment, the U.S. Supreme Court must grant cert on this case and reverse Aragon's outrageous decisions. National presidential politics will be permanently altered if a local state's legal system can be used in this way against candidates for president of the United States. This case raises a national issue of profound importance 
And if the New York State appellate courts do not address it, the U.S. Supreme Court must. I want you to think about this with their lawfare. This is a first of its kind ever case. And if it's left standing, elections for president will be changed forever by the Democrats. The Republicans will lie on their back and, you know, stare at the sun until they can't see anymore. The case in which they claim that immunity post-presidency is not applicable will change the presidency in elections forever. The use of the Espionage Act against Donald Trump, the only president that's ever had that done, and that law has been in place since 1917, will change the presidency in elections forever. The use of the KKK Act of 1870, technically 1871, the Enron Obstruction Laws, having nothing to do with January 6th, and federal contractor, essentially federal contractor law, all of which have nothing to do with January 6th, but to twist and turn and rewrite them to apply them, will forever change the presidency and running for the president. That's at least four areas now. And the Democrats were trying ballot removal as a fifth. And Nikki Haley's running around blaming Trump for what's being done to him. Nikki Haley, to my view now, is an unconscionable, exploitive opportunist. And I'm hoping she's destroyed herself for any future office. Because she has no principles, she has no conscience, and I would argue has no morals. She's trying to pick at the body of Donald Trump before there is a body of Donald Trump to pick at. That is a dead body. That's why she is the sieve through which the radical Democrats and rhino Republicans are pouring their money. Be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility for your free, brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. What happens in a country when the legal system becomes the means by which criminality is advanced. We don't have a country anymore. What's the purpose of a rule of law? So you have a civil society, so everybody knows the rules. The rules are to be justly applied. They're not to be politicized. They're not to be used to, to advance 
anything but the civil society. Well, has that happened? Of course not. And so the country's unraveling. Now, next hour, I want to spend a little bit of time with you on what's going on at the United Nations. Now, first of all, at the United Nations, as you know, at least two-thirds of the members are genocidal dictators, whether Marxists, monarchs, or just straight-out fascists. It is the most heavily concentrated international organization of America haters and Israel haters. So today, Joe Biden is playing a little bit of games. He's playing a little drama. They know full well he and the traitor Blinken, Russia, Communist China, and the rest of them on the National Security Council and beyond. The United States voted against a Russian proposal on permanent ceasefire and so forth as Putin offers an invitation to the Islamic Jihad, the Muslim Brotherhood, and Hamas for a diplomatic meeting in Moscow. But they're doing this because Biden has his own plan. They're going to propose something that will clearly undermine the state of Israel and its survival. I'll explain in a moment. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There's a beautiful little book. It's called The Law by Frederick Bastiat. And this book was among many books that were found in Ronald Reagan's library because the man was brilliant. What is the law? What is the law? When a reviewer wishes to give special recognition to a book, he predicts that it will be read a hundred years from now. The law first published as a pamphlet in June 1850 
is already obviously more, what is it, more than 170 years old. Who was he, this fellow Frederick Bastiat? Well, he lived from 1801 to 1850, very young man, was a French economist, statesman, and author. He did most of his writing during the years just before and immediately following the revolution of February 1848. This was a period when France was rapidly turning to complete socialism. As deputy to the Legislative Assembly, Bastiat was studying and explaining each socialist fallacy as it appeared, and he explained how socialism must inevitably degenerate into communism. But most of his countrymen chose to ignore his logic, as written at socialsciences.mcmaster, California. He said, So the law, the same socialist communist ideas and plans that were then adopted in France are now, of course, sweeping America. He talked about the law perverted. He said, we hold from God, there he goes again, God. Politico wouldn't like this. The gift, which includes all others. The gift is life, physical, intellectual, and moral life, says Bastiat. But life cannot maintain itself alone. The creator of life has entrusted us with the responsibility of preserving, developing, and perfecting it. In order that we may accomplish this, he has provided us with a collection of marvelous faculties. And he's put us in the midst of a variety of natural resources. By the application of our faculties to these natural resources, we convert them into products and use them. This process is necessary in order that life may run its appointed course. Life, faculties, production, in other words, individuality, liberty, property. This is man, says Bastiat. And in spite of the cunning of artful political leaders, these three gifts from God precede all human legislation and are superior to it. Life, liberty, and property do not exist because men have made laws. On the contrary, it was the fact that life, liberty, and property existed beforehand that caused men to make laws in the first place. What then is law? It is the collective organization of the individual right to lawful defense. Each of us has a natural right from God to defend his person, his liberty, and his property. These are the three basic requirements of life, and the preservation of any one of them is completely dependent upon the preservation of the other two. For what are our faculties but the extension of our individuality? And what is property but an extension of our faculties? If every person has the right to defend, even by force, his person, his liberty, and his property, then it follows that a group of men have the right to organize and support a common force to protect these rights constantly. 
Listen to the genius of this man, plain English. That's the principles of collective right. Its reason for existing, its lawfulness, is based on individual right. And the common force that protects this collective right cannot logically have any other purpose or any other mission than for which it acts as a substitute. So, since an individual cannot lawfully use force against the person, liberty, or property of another individual, then the common force, for the same reason, cannot lawfully be used to destroy the person, liberty, or property of individuals or groups. Such a perversion of force would be, in both cases, contrary to our premise. Force has been given to us to defend our own individual rights. Who will dare to say that force has been given to us to destroy the equal rights of our brothers? Since no individual acting separately can lawfully use force to destroy the rights of others, does it not logically follow that the same principle also applies to the common force that is nothing more than the organized combination of individual forces. Now, if this is true, he says, then nothing can be more evident than this. The law is the organization of the natural right of lawful defense. It is the substitution of a common force for individual forces. And this common force is to do only what the individual forces have a natural and lawful right to do. To protect persons, liberties, and properties. To maintain the right of each. And to cause justice to reign over us all. Let's talk about a perversion of the law. He says, unfortunately, law by no means confines itself to its proper function. And when... It has exceeded its proper functions. This is key. It is not done so merely in some inconsequential and debatable matters. The law has gone further than this. It has acted in direct opposition to its actual own purpose. The law has been used to destroy its own objective. It has been applied to annihilate, to annihilating the justice that it was supposed to maintain to limiting and destroying rights, which its real purpose was to respect. The law has placed the collective force at the disposal of the unscrupulous who wish without risk to exploit the person, liberty, and property of others. It has converted plunder into right in order to protect plunder. And it has converted lawful defense into a crime in order to punish lawful defense. Hence my book, Plunder and Deceit, by the way. How has this perversion of the law been accomplished? What have been the results? The law has been perverted by the influence of two entirely different causes, stupid greed and false philanthropy. And then he goes on. Victims of lawful plunder. Men naturally rebel against the injustice of which they are victims. 
And I would read more, but the font is so small that I'm squinting too much with my right eye and I can't. But I would encourage you to read the book. It's short. By Bastiat. Not the artist who passed away, who overdosed, I think. And I don't even like that guy's art. But Bastiat, the philosopher who only lived 49 years, died in 1850 and was despised, by the way, by Karl Marx. He was despised by Karl Marx. And so the law has been used to plunder in New York. And plunder even has a broader meaning to destroy individual liberty, the civil society. And we've seen it in these cases across the country brought against Donald Trump and others. The law has been turned into plunder, the plundering of individual liberty, the plundering of private property. That is what you're witnessing, and that's why I'm trying to <clears throat> concisely explain what's taking place. And then at the United Nations. Never before in almost a century since the state of Israel was established, the state, has a president gone to the United Nations to urge the other countries to vote to destroy the state of Israel. No, Joe Biden doesn't say that's what he's doing. Blinken, the traitor, the self-hater, he doesn't say that. Of course they don't. But they have created a, a situation out at the United Nations where the countries of the United Nations are now piling on the little tiny state of Israel. It is a grotesque irony that Russia and China and the rest of these slaughter factories called Marxist fascist governments want Israel to enter into a permanent ceasefire because they're concerned about the citizens of Gaza. Has anybody said anything to China? Has anybody said anything to Russia about Ukraine? Has anybody said anything to Venezuela, to Cuba, to Nicaragua? Has anybody said anything to one country in the continent of Africa after another? Has anybody said anything about these Middle Eastern countries? Syria? Iraq? Iran? And the rest? Not a word. Biden is piling on Israel. He's issuing executive orders attacking individual Israeli citizens from afar. He's launched an investigation into Israel for war crimes. Can you believe this? He refuses to support the funding of Israel. All Biden has to say is, yes, I will support securing the border. But he won't do it. So he holds funding for Israel, and I might add Ukraine, I might add Taiwan, in blackmail. In blackmail. Because he doesn't want to fund the border properly. That's how committed to the sex slave activity that's going on in the southern border. That's right. If you're not against it, you're for it. It's that simple. The United Nations is hardly a place to go to to find justice and righteousness. And furthermore, the United Nations, in its conduct, when it tries to usurp our authority, uh, following the United States, therefore, becomes an unconstitutional act. 
you cannot grant international institutions or other countries authority over the United States. And you cannot grant the United Nations by a vote authority over the state of Israel and their survival. If there were a vote, Israel would cease to exist. Joe Biden is an anti-Semite. I'll say it. There's not another person in the media who will. I've said it repeatedly now. If he's not an anti-Semite, he has a funny way of showing it. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he said the first days after October 7th. I know what he's done. He puts no pressure on Iran. All the pressures on Israel in dealing with the, the Islamist Nazi Hamas. Israel has surrounded the leadership of Hamas in this one town. And as part of his effort, Joe Biden wants the UN to vote that Israel must not attack this town because there's too many Palestinians there. Netanyahu has already addressed that. They're going to move as many Gazan citizens as possible who will agree to be moved as they take out the leadership of Hamas and put this to an end. It's Hamas that's blocking so many people from leaving. But Biden doesn't care. Because for Biden, he's siding with Dearbornistan. He's siding with the tenure professors, the Marxist students, the Islamist students, many of whom come from the Middle East. He has sided with them against America and Israel and against the Jewish people. He has pulled in the reins with his Department of Justice and Department of Education, which have done next to nothing to address what's going on in our own country. He hasn't even ordered his his government to review the people who are here, including on student visas, to determine whether they should be removed. As a matter of fact, he's prevented it. He continues to fund Iran. He continues to fund Hamas. He continues to fund the PLO. If that's not an anti-Semite, then who is? He's done more damage to the state of Israel internationally, diplomatically, and he's doing more damage to it now than anybody else other than the terrorists. So Israel's having to fight a two-front war against Biden and Blinken and against the terrorists because he needs that vote out of Dearbornistan and others in his in the core of the Democrat Party who support Hamas, hate America, and want to eviscerate the Jews. Joe Biden has taken aside the way he did in the 1970s, the racists and segregationists. He's taken aside. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Our friends at the Free Beacon, our buddy Adam Crato, they have a story out there. There was money spent at the notorious Department of State. Money literally spent to create negative impressions of the state of Israel. Our money. 
And as the reporting went, this was a widely accepted view at the Department of State. As it turns out, as Credo points out, that's not correct. There were objections to this. Antony Blinken is everything that John McCain said he is. He called him dangerous. He said that people have died as a result of his ideology. Remember I told you what Biden is all about, but Blinken is different. Blinken is a self-hating Jew. He is a traitor. He brought in Robert Malley, who negotiated for our side, theoretically, on nuclear weapons, when he brought in a rat's nest of what some are calling spies, who are back-channeling information to the office of the foreign minister in Iran. Now that seems to me to be worthy of a massive documentary, a massive news event, but it's not. And that's Blinken, who takes his orders from Thomas Friedman, who's another self-hating Jew. I can't do a psychological analysis on these unhinged ideologues, but it is grotesque. You can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. All right, just responding here. Looks like the circle of traitors at the White House is growing. Phony Admiral Kirby. Admiral. Hey, I'm a four-star general. Um... He's the national security spokesman. Isn't he like, uh, should they give him a different title since uh, he always opposes our national security? They say that an Israeli attack on Rafa would be a disaster. They want Hamas to survive, America. How can you go to war like this? fight like the Israelis have. Do you know their economy has shrunk by 20%? Because the whole country is fighting the war. Because it's a tiny country with a small population. They have their enemies surrounded, and I've, I've, I've made the parallel before. That's like surrounding Hitler in a bunker in Berlin and being told there'll be too many casualties, get out. But tell me, did the Russians tell the Germans to get out so we can limit the number of casualties? No. But that's what the Israelis are doing with the Palestinians there. They're trying to get them out before they attack the leadership. No army's ever done this in world history. And yet, this circle of traitors, that's what I'm going to call them. The circle of traitors is growing in the Biden administration. And they are exposing themselves as a circle of traitors and anti-Semites. I don't know how else you can put it. It's not a policy disagreement. It's a life and death struggle. And this is the same mindset, America, that has our border wide open. With terrorists walking in and criminals walking in and drugs being moved in and all kinds of slavery going on, and MSNBC says nothing, and CNN says nothing. Nothing! The White House warned against, and is warned against the military operation in Gaza, the AP reported, claiming any misstep in potential operations. 
And we all know it's a military operation. These things happen. And the densely populated city of Rafa would be a disaster. National security spokes idiot, traitor, John Kirby said Israel needed to take into account the safety of Palestinian refugees. What the hell do you think they're doing, you schmuck? Did you take into account the safety of our soldiers when you surrendered in Afghanistan? And by the way, as I'm the only one who keeps saying, where the hell are the American the Americans who were left behind in Afghanistan? It's like it never happened. And they never talk about the American hostages that Hamas has or is murdered and raped. The IDF recently rescued two hostages kidnapped on October 7 by Hamas from captivity in Rafah. They don't care. Biden could care less. Biden's trying to put his main political opponent in prison. He's trying to win the vote of American Islamists. What else explains it? And of course, his right-hand traitor, Blinken's the perfect guy. We've been warned about this creep over and over again. Warned about him. But over at the State Department, they have their priorities. It's destroy Israel, give funds to Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah. The, the Houthis are now sinking ships. Sinking ships. There's nothing up there in the UN. They're not talking about the Houthis and Iran. They're not talking about what Iran's doing. No, it's Israel. Get, get, get to Israel. It's Israel. It used to be as Peoria goes, so goes the nation. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Richard Nixon used to say, if it sells in Peoria, it'll sell anywhere. Now we substitute Peoria with Dearborn, Michigan, Ebornistan. Rather than listening to Middle America, Peoria, Illinois, I don't even know if what's going on there, but now it's Deborn, Michigan. Dearborn, Michigan. That determines national policy. What do you think of that, America? Also apparently determines Israeli policy. I've never seen a free country treated this way. I've never seen a minority treated this way. I've never seen an indigenous peoples treated this way. Ever. But you have that sleazeball Biden who comes into the Senate. He's a punk. He's 30 years old. And he throws in with James Eastland. He throws in with Stennis. He throws in with Byrd. He throws in with Talmadge. You've never heard of these names, have you? Well, the people in West Virginia, Mississippi, and Georgia know exactly what I'm talking about. These were segregationists. He throws in with them. He does not want the public schools integrated. Now, by the way, he went to a parochial school. His kids went to a parochial school. His kids were never in danger of anything. But I want the black community to understand this. This is who this guy is. I want the Jewish community to understand. I want the Asian community to understand that he sent his damn Justice Department into the Supreme Court to defend North Carolina and Harvard, which were intentionally discriminating against 
racism, Asian American students who qualified on merit to go to Harvard, but Harvard decided there were too many, too many of those Asians, you know. Too many of those Asians, just like Harvard decided in the 20s, and there are too many of those Jews, you know. Harvard has never been a, an enlightened place. But Biden has had his finger in every major act of racism and anti-Semitism during his lifetime. That's why Menachem Begin pointed right at him. At a hearing in the Senate. When Biden was threatening him, you know, we give you the And he didn't take any crap from him. As is Netanyahu. But think about it. They have a two-front war going on now. One with their enemy in the Middle East and one with the United States administration. If Israel agrees to what Biden is demanding and now trying to put pressure on them through a coalition of Arab states, a coalition of European states, now he goes to Russia and China in the Security Council who are more than happy to accommodate Biden. The anti-Semite. Oh, I voted against what they were proposing because, you know, I've always supported Israel. I love the Jews, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, me and the Jews. We get along great. Yeah, yeah. I actually know a few Jews, you know. So again, I have them all around. You have self-haters around you, you jerk. And we don't need lectures from Kirby. We don't need lectures from Kirby. Another schmuck sits there, propagandist. I hear people say, but he dresses well, he's got, oh, I hate this, gravitas, he's there, he's not her, you know, he's not the spokes idiot lady, he's the spokes, guy's the Admiral Kirby. Stop with your BS. This guy is a slick propagandist for the Islamists and Marxists in our government and throughout the country. Admiral have you ever Googled his background, America? Google is ad- Google how he became an admiral. Google it. Whew, I tell you. And over there at the Department of Justice, excuse me, Department of State, there's a memo that was put in. National Review has now exposed this. And it comes from the Secretary of State. When speaking, avoid using phrases like brave men and women on the front lines. Use more specific language such as brave first responders. Those of you who've had the wisdom during this election cycle to read The Democrat Party Hates America. As you know, there's an entire chapter on mind control, on thought control. On how totalitarians work. It's chapter 4. And I go. I take a deep dive. Into what totalitarian regimes have done. What people who survived them. Have said about them. How the people wind up going along. How do they vote for these people? Read chapter 4. Read chapter 4. If you really want an answer to the question. It's right there. In exquisite detail. Don't use words that actually describe the truth. Brave men and women on the front lines. Because you're excluding people who've transitioned on the front lines, of which there must be tens of thousands, right? It's really quite disgusting, the whole damn thing. I'll be right back. (laughs) 
Let's go to David. Let's see. Uh, Los Angeles, California, 870, the answer, where we're live and national. Go. Yellow. Yellow. Uh, this, is, this is Barry. Can you Los prove Angeles. that, sir? Anyway, I just wanted to. Um, How do I know you're really I... Barry and you're not just like Frank? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not sure how I can prove that to you. All but, right, so go right ahead. We'll take you at your word. Joe Biden is not an anti-Semite. He's too feckless and too unprincipled to be anything. He will do anything that he's told that will, he thinks will help him politically and financially. And he is surrounded by anti-Semites. I agree with that. Um, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. You know, you don't have to be an intellect to be a racist or a bigot or an anti-Semite or hate America or hate whatever. You know, it can be visceral. And this guy is a pattern. He is a pattern of lying. I've been one of the greatest supporters. No, he hasn't. He's barely been a supporter of his own country. You know what he supports? Graft and his own family. That's what he supports, Barry. Now, where are you in Los Angeles exactly? I'm in West Los Angeles. I'm a block from UCLA. Congratulations. So, Sounds like a hellhole. No offense. By communists. Why are you still there? <laughs> I guess she can't get out. Uh, can't get out. Why are you still in the L.A. gulag? Can't get out? <laughs> All right, Barry. Thank you, my friend. You got a good uh, sense of humor there. I have another one here. Let's go to David. But we have to go quickly, David. West Palm Beach, Florida, the great WJNO. Home of our buddy Brian Mudd. Go right ahead, please. Go. I'll try and move fast. The quintessential symbol of the rule of law is weights and measures. The scale of justice Mm. and lady lady justice with the blindfold on. Uh, Yep. Um, Not only is there a hand there, there's there's a complete, uh, utter uh, load of bricks that the Democrats Mm -hmm. have put there. You know, they, they it's to them, it's utilitarianism. They believe the ends justify the means. It, nothing else matters. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like Kafka in the trial. I don't know if, how familiar. No, that's it, a good point. I ought to talk about Kafka. But anyway, go ahead. Kafka is the trial. And I and I beg people to read it because the main premise is you can't defend yourself against the state when the state doesn't give you anything that allows you to defend yourself. And if you look at, I mean, there's so many things, but standing, vagueness, the takings clause. David, you need to call again. I apologize. We have a hard break. We're about to leave. Uh, You sound like a very, very solid attorney. So give it a shot again. I apologize. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, freedom fighters, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Israel. Israel, we have your back regardless of the Biden backstabbing. See you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.